Hi, everyone. We're back with another episode of Femon Creatives. Alison and I are absolutely delighted to be chatting with biographer, historian, broadcaster, Jill of all trades, as she's already described herself in the chat before this, Sarah Christwood. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Hello. Hi. <laughs> It's very exciting to speak to you today. We we were having just a lovely chat earlier. I mean, like literally just before I hit record about your work and how your work is solely focused on women, apart from one piece of work that you've done. And Alison and I got very excited. And Alison reminded me, this is why I need to hit record. <laughs> um, and... I mean, we're mostly here to talk about your new book, which is coming out at the end of February, and it's called Secret Voices, A Year of Women's Diaries. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I probably want to spend the entirety of this podcast talking about that, but there's so many other things we can talk about. So (laughs) just tell us, just tell us about the book. It sounds extraordinary. Well, I think the material in, in it is extraordinary. And I can say that because... I didn't write it. All I wrote, it actually wrote, is the brief intro at the front and the biogs at the back. Other than that, I had the huge pleasure and actually felt like privilege of diving into 400 years worth of women's diaries. And the material, the stories there are incredible in several different ways i mean some of them are extraordinary dramatic unusual stories others of them are women about writing about the everyday and i was as as obsessed by by one as by the other and how did this idea come about is this something you have long wanted to work on did someone approach you and say you're the perfect person Uh, for this a a bit of both Mm -hmm. Uh, a a million years ago in early in my career i actually wrote a book about what women write in their diaries what sort of what sort of subjects they choose to cover so I, i i had a background i was in a sense one of perhaps the obvious person Mm -hmm. to do this. But of course, so much has changed since then because we are talking Mm pre-internet. Yes, I am that old. Um, Me too. So (laughs) (laughs) Me too, by the way. (laughs) Effectively, you were talking about what was published Mm -hmm. in your own country. Mm. You know, I was lucky. Well, I sat in sat in London. My mother was on an extended trip in the States and prepared to spend a lot of it in the Library of Congress. So she brought me back, you know, some American material. But when you think of how much more is available now and, of course, far more diverse voices available now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's like a whole different ball game. It's like a whole world opening up to you. Yeah. So, how did you make your choices? Well, with with the abundance, especially of of more recent yeah. resources. Well, the the format of the diary was selected by the publisher, and it's it is a year of. So it is January first, January second, mm-hmm. and for each day, there's a varying number of entries. So, of course, I was looking, I sort of, you know, had a little list of, 
well, January is for, for everyone, right? It's on New Year's Day. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I could have, I picked up maybe half a dozen from heaven knows how many. On, say, July the 13th, it might have been very different. I might have thought, good heavens, I can only find two. Someone else must have written something interesting that day. So, of course, you know, once I'd got my huge long list, 365 days of the year times however many entries I could find for that day, then, of course, I picked them out to try and make. I was trying to make both a readable kaleidoscope, but also to try to present uh, a reasonable picture of what I saw as the women's lives presented here. Now, there's no such thing as an objective editor or impartiality here. As I said, you know, in my intro, effectively, to edit an anthology is to, pre to, to present an agenda, whether or not you want it to. Um, but for that reason, I didn't want it to be just wholly extraordinary stories. Mm -hmm. I mean, a disproportionate number of the books published on the shelves are, of course, either their travel diaries, they are, of course, Holocaust diaries, which we all have the strongest possible reason to remember. But I wanted also to bring in, you know, the women who just wrote, made a so-and-so pudding today, you know, it's very cold and I'm rather grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, those are those stories are important, you know. Well, I think are. you know, they're especially exactly. as women, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, precisely. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd, if I would, if I dare generalize to say that women, women diarists are particularly good at the sort of detail of every day. Mm. But maybe it is fair to say that historically, women have expected to and been expected to occupy themselves with mm. the ordinary details of daily life more than their men have so that perhaps women's diaries are particularly good on that sort of detail i mean heaven knows samuel peeps was pretty good on that sort of detail but you know there is there can be <laughs> i i feel um sometimes a sense in men's diaries that they you know they're there to com to comment on the important things and one thing i liked one thing i particularly relished is um how women were rather good at putting the quote important public things in their place i mean there was one entry from virginia wolf um about three sort of three things well three things to put down today uh, this, talk, this talk of peace, I think this was 1918, um, first visit to the 17 Club, and I broke my tortoiseshell spectacles. <laughs> About the first, which is, after all, the most important, but it was perfectly apparent that the tortoiseshell spectacles were, were what was really weighing on <laughs> And haven't we all been there? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so you I'm curious what you feel like the biggest takeaway is obviously you're not you're not yeah. endeavoring to be objective so you do feel like did you feel like there's an arc did you feel like there was a message like what do you feel yeah I think maybe two big takeaways um 
One was that if I had to pick one single emotion or spectrum of emotions out that came over to me most strongly from the diaries, I think it would be frustration. Yeah. Or frustration. Often expressed wryly, humorously, yeah. or oh good heavens, how wicked of me to feel that way. Mm. But I mean, one problem, in a sense, editing the anthology is that we tend to turn to our diary, and many diarists note this themselves, uh, that that we tend to turn to our diaries for relief when we're feeling bad rather yeah. than when we're feeling good. You know, it's not universal, but I did have to hunt a bit not to make this a depressing <laughs> you know. But the other big takeaway from me is how so many of the issues that are concerning us now were actually being very openly discussed by our foremothers and some un in some unexpected places too. I mean, my the big stick out for me there is Elizabeth Fry. Do you know? Quaker prison reformer mm. uh, from the early 19th, turn of the 18th, 19th centuries. And she, she writes, oh, about after the difficulty of bonding with her newborn baby as she feels mm. she should after mm -hmm. a difficult labour. I mean, today we might say postnatal depression, how she dreads a coming childbirth, but also um, how she worries sometimes that her life with husband and children has taken her away, distracted from what she sees as her vocation, her career, basically. And you... Uh, I didn't expect mm -hmm. to find a woman openly saying that 200 years ago, let alone Elizabeth Fry. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she actually used quite a good example because, you know, although she's sort of so often held up as this kind of Florence Nightingale figure, you know, the ultimate womanly woman caring mm -hmm. for others and so on, she writes quite openly about, you know, her ambition and her pleasure in the fact that when she was taken to a great big gala with the royal family there, that apart from the royals, she was the person everyone wanted to talk mm. to. She enjoyed that, and you feel, well, good for her. I'm sure I would too, you know? Yeah, and I, and I sort of love those stories. This is not me being hyperbolic, but I actually got chills when you were, when you were talking then about oh. how she's trying, you know, talking, openly talking about yeah. the two different lives she has and how yes. she reconciles them. I've really yeah. been consuming a lot about that just today in fact um yeah. some some articles in the guardian i and funny enough i started watching the buccaneers um uh -huh. on apple tv uh from recommendation from from femme mm. jess and in it there is a moment where one of the female characters tells the other one like you are allowed to have this moment mm. you don't have to always be mm. the one in the background you're allowed yeah. to have a spotlight yes and and i was like like such a throwaway line is so powerful. And I imagine going through these women's diaries, yes. there's so many instances of that. Yes, uh, absolutely. And of course, then you do have, rather than a script writer writing it today, 
even if they're mm. putting it into the mouth of a character set a hundred years ago, it was actually a woman writing it at that time. And I never got over, I never got over the the shock, the pleasure of that. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. It's funny you say that, Rhea, about the second thing Sarah said, because the first thing you said about frustration and anger of sort of their situation and, yes. and being a woman in this world, that's something that I think about and write about quite a bit. And this yeah. morning I saw a tweet that said, so many women were either crazy, they just haven't discovered anger. Mm. And I, yeah. <laughs> so, that really resonated with oh, me. That's a good line. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would actually, in fact, that really is a good line. I feel like writing it down. <laughs> Uh, because I'd say a number of these women did at some point go slightly crazy because they hadn't acknowledged, hadn't a allowed themselves anger. That, I think, is why I hesitated whether saying anger mm -hmm. or frustration. Mm -hmm. I mean, two very famous women, Florence Nightingale, you know, of course, and Beatrix Potter, who we all think of, you know, for Peter Rabbit and so on, both discovered or were allowed to discover their path quite late in life. And both earlier on wrote diaries in which they absolutely poured out their, I mean, despair, almost suicidal despair. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think, yeah, I mean, they, it's something I write about and I just made a hmm. film about a character who's, Mm. whose insanity I'm using quotes is yeah. used against her and I just feel like and and I have a family history of that occurring mm. and I just imagine that that mm. is something that I mean obviously Virginia Woolf is a very famous example yeah. or Sylvia Plath or yeah. Anne Sexton um, yeah. these yeah geniuses yes who um I yeah. feel like their genius was weaponized yeah. against them yeah. and yeah and yeah transmuted into insanity Yes. Well, of course, right both word, but... women I, I, I mentioned, Nightingale and Potter, uh, weren't, you know, didn't become insane. Mm -hmm. But they what they were both trapped uh, it, for, in a kind of extended youth by that pattern of Victorian young ladyhood mm -hmm. where they weren't supposed to go out and work. They were supposed to, you know, either marry or remain perpetually at home. Mm -hmm. And both found it deeply, deeply frustrating, the life they were living. But, you know, they were, in a sense, too well brought up to mm -hmm. right. rebel quickly or openly. Yes, because you're so quick. You, I mean, I think it still happens, which is why mm. these conversations are so important. But, yeah. you know, you're it's you're quickly deemed crazy or hysterical yeah. or that yeah. these emotions um, yeah. you're already minimalized because you're a woman but then further by yeah. your yes. by your larger than life emotions which to be honest are just emotions <laughs> yeah well, it's, well it's, it's always you know like men are told they that they they don't have emotions or they're like all like there's only the one emotion anger mm -hmm. and it's yeah. like yeah that's an emotion guys yeah we we have that too <laughs> yeah and it's yeah. it's just it's so i mean i feel like we know it we know it deep down but just women just over the, you know just constantly pushing against boundaries yeah constantly coming up them and just trying to just trying to move that boundary line mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. a little bit and I can't tell if it's disheartening or comforting mm -hmm. to know that you're reading these mm -hmm. 
the, mm. these diaries and stories of women who are feeling the exact same way yeah. and it's, yeah. it's such an interesting well, yeah place to be in when thinking yeah. about your work no it is there's what there can be a great pleasure it when you actually as it were see someone find themselves mm -hmm. um my single favorite diarist has to be nella last now in in the uk she's now known to tv audiences for the program housewife 49 which i know maybe which you may not know in the states but basically nella last wrote her diary during the years of the second world war and after um, for the mass observation project, a sort of big social project, asking a number of, of people to write more or less anonymous diaries. Mm -hmm. um, and, so, and so hers was labelled as housewife, comma, 49. Living in, you know, Barrow in Furness in a not particularly romantic place and not particularly exciting, apparently, life. But in the course of the Second World War, women going out to work, of course, she was helping to run a canteen, and also perhaps of writing the diary, she began to question all the kind of accepted norms that, that, that she, you know, she had swallowed before. She wrote that things like, I mean, I'm obviously I'm not quoting, this is from memory, but about how before the war she'd have felt sort of, you know, guilty and, and, and alarmed when her husband was was blaming her for not having his supper, you know, his lunch ready when, when he got home. Now she'd say, well, I've got it out for you. You know, you don't need me sitting at the table, do you? And how her husband, when her husband said reproachfully to her that she wasn't as sweet as as she was before the war, before she started down, going down to work at the centre. And she said, I love this, and I love this line. Well, who wants a woman of 50 to be sweet anyway? And besides, <laughs> I suit me a lot better. <laughs> Good on you. Yeah, it's a, that's so true, Sarah, about the 50. I just turned 50, and so it's something mm -hmm. I've been thinking about quite a bit and talking with my peers about like that there is something about that age where you're just like oh I don't have any more f's yeah. to give like I'm just yeah. kind of no. and I don't know if it's menopause or exhaustion or what it is you know but I don't know but but you it's very I was noticing this yesterday because I was writing a piece about women and aging in the diaries mm -hmm. what they thought about it mm -hmm. and an awful lot of women write at 50 or on their 50th birthday mm -hmm. so it's interesting it does feel like it and for me i i think i had to make a choice which i think women have over the course of time mm -hmm. am i going to tell people i'm 50 am i going to mm -hmm. let them think i'm 48 for the rest of my life or yeah. what is the choice <laughs> that i'm going to make and i i it felt very empowering mm. to own it and, yes. and to be proud of it Yes. And, and to sort of push against like that there's some shame that I'm still alive. Yeah. What's yeah. the shame exactly yeah. that I've yeah. endured? Absolutely. <laughs> it's just fascinating that as I think as a gender where mm. there's like this unspoken expectation that we're meant to never change. Mm. Yeah. And so I love that quote too. Like I'm not sweet at 50, you know, what? <laughs> That's not where my yeah. value is. Yeah. I'm white. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm. 
Mm. <laughs> another who wrote at 50 actually was Hester Thrale so we're going back much earlier in time we're going back to Dr Johnson's friend Hester mm. Miss, Miss what a name I don't know yeah. this person but I <laughs> love the name <laughs> Lynch Thrale Piozzi technically the last bit Piozzi because she ran away with her children's tutor um, but friend of Dr Johnson but she was writing at 50 that and this struck me too, because we don't think of women writing about the menopause that far back. Mm-hmm. But they, she wrote that my oldest friend, I think, is about to leave me. And it became very clear mm-hmm. that what she meant by her oldest friend was her monthly cycle. Ah, I am calling my period that from now yeah, on. I, I love that <laughs> yeah. so much. And she wrote about it's how lovely. curiously when um, she said when the first change of life came, i.e. menage, you know, uh, she had got a particular mark on her cheek and now the mark had come back. But she said, but do I feel a different in any other way? No, I don't. I was blessed with, what was it, bodily strength and the ability to endure fatigue. And, you know, but I love that, that she was writing quite openly, in a, albeit in a diary, about menopause then. Mm-hmm. Yes, because it's always been such a quiet topic that yeah. we're everything to do with our monthly cycles (laughs) we're supposed to just sort of creep off into the forest i know once a month and you know some mysterious things happen there um so i love that she's writing about it and like you say ria my oldest friend that's that's beautiful i absolutely love that so much it's so amazing and the company that that your cycle does yeah. with all of its complications. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very complicated relationship, but you know, yeah. it is this companion well, yeah. that you have. Yeah. Well, Anne Frank wrote about that quite, mm. ex- quite very openly as well uh, about how she'd, at the time she wrote, you know, what, 14 or so, mm-hmm. she'd only had three periods, but she wrote that. In, she felt she had a sweet secret mm-hmm. that despite the difficulties, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the unpleasantness in some ways, she nonetheless felt that she was carrying the, something special happening within her mm-hmm. and she couldn't wait for it to happen again. On the carrying on of it, right? Like yeah, that our bodies just continue to survive. That's yeah. what our bodies are programmed to do and they do it regardless mm-hmm. of circumstances. Certainly. And I think there is something comforting in that. Like, no matter what is happening, yeah. the yeah. animal part of us is like, keep mm. going. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think that's true. Well, that you certainly do see some fair in the diaries, some fairly extraordinary tales mm. of survival. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. You, you seem to have captured such a range of people and of ages what is what a I'd love to know through the age groups is there like a common theme you know from Anne Frank at 14 to you know, I don't know the oldest person that that whose diary you're looking at but do you feel like there's just at every age there's always one theme or more well and uh, of course a lot of people I won't say women because some of them are very young they're girls uh, teenagers but a lot of us write diaries in our 
youth, many women then ceased, stopped, stopped mm. as they felt they grew up, stopped on marriage specifically, mm. or stopped on have it bearing children. I mean, Fanny Longfellow wrote that now my diary, you know, the poet's wife, now my diary ends because I have now a living one to keep more faithfully than this. In fact, she didn't stop. She wrote, then went on, started a number of diaries, nominally at least, about her children. But no, the, the overweening theme, as I say, um, I think it's self-exploration. And I think in a way, yes, that's interesting. I think in a way, that's the theme that doesn't go away. Because, yes, all these teenagers are very understandably writing self-exploration. Obviously, it's an age at which to be self-obsessed, you need to be. But women right up to the end of their lives are actually still discovering things about themselves and using their diaries to do so. So I guess that's it. I guess really the diary is where your your identity can flourish away from away from the eyes of others unless you choose to exhibit it. Yeah. It's made me feel quite emotional. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> it's really beautiful. That is really beautiful. And I was just having a conversation with a friend the other day. We were talking about poetry because mm -hmm. in the past couple of years, I've started hosting people join me for where I'm from poems mm. based on a prompt. And, and I've been struck by how many people say, I used to love poetry, mm. but I stopped writing poetry. Yeah. And I think there's some relationship there with diaries. Like yes. when you were yes, speaking indeed. of that yes. and we, she was saying that she used to write a poem a day when she was in high school mm. and mm. then she started to feel like she was a stereotype like writing bad teenage poetry and yeah. I think that there's that sort of writing about you're being sure. self-obsessed yeah. in your diary yes and and stopping mm. that expression yeah. because yeah. it feels like a trope or a stereotype and yeah. um I guess I just want to have a shout out of like this is mm. not self-obsession this is self-expression mm. and I think so many of us are stop expressing yeah. ourselves because we're afraid it it's a bad yeah. look for us no I think you're right and of course the diary is the place where you don't have to worry <laughs> right. the yeah. look basically mm -hmm. not that some diarists weren't aware of the, of the chance of their this, the likelihood of their diary diary being seen some wanted it to be mm -hmm. um and frank included but nonetheless in in the first instance it is a private place where unless you choose to give access it's just you and the page mm -hmm. or you and the the secret friend you imagine your diary to be mm -hmm. mm. yeah and so i think you're manage you get this you get access to women in a place where mm you're otherwise not afforded access because yes. so many of us weren't expressing ourselves. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, yes, totally. And that's why, that, I think that's where the sense of privilege comes in mm -hmm. and the sense of surprise and support that, when, that so many women so long before us were 
dealing with the same dilemmas that we do and having the same crises over their identity. Which really brings home why they don't want us to express ourselves. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, quite. <laughs> because then you can say, hey, look at this. This has been a problem yeah. for hundreds of years. Very you true. Know? Yeah. It's a lot harder to say, oh, yeah. you're just overreacting. You're just being hysterical. Yeah. This is uh-huh. no big deal. You're like, actually, uh-huh. look. Yeah, yeah, quite. And they yeah. don't want us all to talk to each other so that we all know. It's not about being modern or being woke. Right. right. No one told Elizabeth Fry that she was being too woke in, you know, in 1801. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they probably did when I was she about was about to say, yeah, I bet you they did. Yeah. Yes. What it, whatever woke was. Back yeah, then, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Um, I'm sure this is a fair. Take the toe down a little bit. But please <laughs> tell me there were some entries of people just being like, I really fancy that boy. Like, uh, he's so cute type entries. Please tell me. That's all I ever wrote, which is why I stopped writing. Because this is why I'm asking, because my diaries were horrific. That's all I ever wrote. Were I like, like Brandon, Jeremy yeah. Stinks. You know, they it's were not... just like teenage madness. My mum <laughs> made me sad. You know. Oh yes, <laughs> especially the latter. <laughs> oh yes, um, my mother and yeah, um, and not my mother and I, and not just from teenagers either. Uh, <laughs> women, women and their mothers goes on being an issue until, well, way past the point they can be mothers themselves. Um, yes, there, yes, there is. Uh, though though they couched it slightly differently in the 19th century <laughs> applies yeah mm-hmm. and then there's the, 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 there's the victorian teenager early teenager who was very shocked because she just dre- she'd had a dream where she'd married another girl mm-hmm. how shocking how can that thing be <laughs> I love that question, Ria, because I <laughs> I was never a good diarist because I've shared this before, but my mom told me, don't write anything down you don't want everyone to read because that was something her father told her because that was the kind of house they lived in. And and to be honest, with as many siblings as I had, that's probably the kind of house I lived in. So I just wrote a lot of, yeah, I like so-and-so, I hate so-and-so, so-and-so mm-hmm. is terrible. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. So when right. people talk about, oh, I read my old diary, and I, yeah. I think, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be honest, I probably didn't quote too many of those. <laughs> no, I wouldn't imagine you did. necessarily make enthralling reading. <laughs> no, exactly. they did, it didn't even make enthralling reading for me. No. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't even go back and read it. It was like, oh, <laughs> really tedious. Um I, so that- I think that being a good being a good diarist or an engaging one is a skill because I also want to say as a yeah. person who writes memoir, mm. oftentimes the thing that is said is, oh, isn't it just a diary? And mm. and that's not said kindly. No. Um and it's not. Mm. But also mm. an engaging diarist, it, that is a skill. Yes. That is not no, just indeed. you talking about what you hate and like. Yeah. No, indeed. And of course, that slightly brings us on to the question I had to keep on dealing with, which is what what constitutes a diary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be my these, question. Yeah. 
some of these women were writing totally privately. I mean, Beatrix Potter's early diary was in code. So was the diary of Anne Lister describing her lesbian love affairs mm. in the early 19th century. But other diarists, other women, of course, were writing that daily record, but perhaps the pioneer women were, were some of them would have been writing it to send home to relatives. Mm -hmm. So does that count as a diary or doesn't it? Or mm. something like Fanny Burney giving a pages-long description of a undergoing a mastectomy without anaesthetic oh, my goodness. was in a journal letter which she sent to her sister. But So it wasn't day by day, yes, quite. Um, well, I didn't include that, in fact, because it really it wasn't day by day. But also because, um, I mean, I do remember the first time I read that, I was just worried as to whether I could get out of the library without throwing up on the floor. Mm. I mean, it's terrifying. Harrowing. And just... And, yes, totally. Violent, I would imagine. Mm. The violence to her mm. person. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, she's... Yeah, well, no, I, I, won't, I won't go into it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but... But but what do you call a diary, mm. don't you? You know, what about a journal letter? Uh, what When does the diary stop and memoir begin? Mm. Is it that day-to-day -day format? You know, up to a point, it had to be a kind of my choice in some cases. Mm. In some cases, I treated it as I, I, I felt it counted as a diary, even though because the woman was indeed perhaps on the pioneer trail, it might well be then be being sent, you know, later be shown to relatives. Um, to me, it was about the immediacy of the daily experience. I think was was the crunch, but nonetheless, yeah. you know, it's um, it's it's a kind of shades of grey. It's not black and white. Well, and I would also imagine something that's not being edited, you know, mm -hmm. being rewritten. Yeah. Yeah, no, being rewritten, I agree. And you see, Fanny Burney did rewrite later. Mm. Um, edited, well, of course, diaries. No, I meant rewritten when I said yeah. edited. Okay. Like going back and yeah, not fine. Okay. Not, like, no, uh, no, no. <laughs> excerpts. No, right. So, no. Yeah. No, I kind of wanted that feeling of experience mm -hmm. as it happened, or, mm. you know, writing up at night, like, Oh, Lady Bird Johnson must have known that her description of what happened one mm -hmm. day as she drove into Dallas behind the car bearing mm -hmm. President Kennedy. She obviously she knew that this would be read, but nonetheless, she was writing, you know, at the moment she was writing her White House diary mm -hmm. um, as things happened. And I think that for me was the key. That sense yeah, of being there. That's something I would just imagine. Yeah. Like, that's sort of yeah. like of the moment. Yes. In you're yeah, immersed totally. in you're not reflecting on it too. Yeah. Like you're not yeah. this yeah. happened. No, exactly. And, yeah. And I mean and and also what women were thinking about on that yeah. day. Mm -hmm. Um women who were less directly involved. I mean, there was one Victorian who sort of who 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 she'd done all her, you know, about her clothes and all this and that. And they Oh, good. What a wretch I am. I've forgotten the big news and Sebastopol had fallen, the Crimean War. But, you know, that hadn't been what was on the forefront of her mind. Mm -hmm. She was honest enough to admit it. 
<laughs> right. Because I think that's the reality for most of us, right? Yes, I mean, we, we need to continue living yeah. our lives. There's You yeah. have to have some kind of hopefully healthy mm. way that you can acknowledge what's occurring in the world, but it is it cannot be your central focus. Yeah. You have to make yeah. a mince pie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying to think of something very British. That was, that was, <laughs> that was my attempt. Well, my attempt. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. a woman called Etty Hilson, uh, Dutch, Jewish, wrote, you know, one morning in the, in the 40s that she'd, she um, had had uh, some, a really good cup of Horlicks, you know, some, um, some bread and particularly good honey and blah, blah, and blah, blah. And that's what I'm thinking of now. Not that I have to go to the Gestapo this morning, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, and also putting like that we do need to have the simple pleasures of life. Yes. Like we do need yeah, to indeed. give those attention and focus yes. Yes. Um, in yes. order to sustain yeah to keep going yes, quite yeah indeed so i tried to bring some of the pleasures into the diary entries as well not just the harrowing one. <laughs> well i want i want to read it i'm looking forward to it i thought i also felt like it seems like a really good gift to yeah, give great yeah. No, indeed i hope so for mothers yeah. things like that yeah because i hope that most women whether they choose to read it day by day, which some people are saying to me is what they will do, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. March, March <gasps> the fifth, they'll read. I love daily readers. March the fifth, yeah. I I think it's oh. just a lovely thing. Yeah. To, I but don't. I I just I, think it's fun. I hope that most women will find something they recognize in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm already thinking of who That's I can give do. it to. <laughs> oh, yeah. please do. Yeah. Yes, because I just well, because you don't want to give people books about whatever you think or believe because i feel like that's the pushiest gift yeah. you know oh here's my i know and here's although, my belief system here <laughs> buy in you know it's ugh. yeah so and this is like really, oh we're both yeah. women yeah exactly you probably find something and, you and, like here yes, exactly and every single entry may not strike right with you right but it's truthfully i'd be surprised if if some didn't Right. And it's a good book to have out mm. or if you have a fancy bathroom. It looks beautiful. It does, like, it? Yeah. And yeah, I'll be so. perfectly happy if someone keeps it in their bathroom. Right. Fancy or otherwise. I'm sending you a picture of it in my bathroom. That's going <laughs> to happen now. That's absolutely going to happen. <laughs> I have one final question. Mm-hmm. Which is, how did you feel after spending all this time reading those stories, reading these stories, mm. reading these diaries, collating them, being with these women, mm. to then finish the book? Mm. Well, let's just say the thought of Secret Voices 2 has occurred. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm still finding so many right. things, so many different women, even, right. I'd like to put in there. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, uh, and I, I would imagine I, that it's like that, when you're pregnant, everyone's pregnant, hmm. like, or you, <laughs> yeah. when you're thinking of being pregnant or you're not yeah. pregnant and you want to be like everyone is. Yeah. I would imagine now that your brain is set to this finding I, these diaries and finding I'm, these. I'm pieces. seeing it everywhere. Yes. Yes. I yes. <laughs> In yeah. one form or another. And you yeah. can't just turn it off. You know, no, your brain I'm, is I mean, on that setting. It will stay with me. Yes. Mm. I can tell just by your conversation. 
And and your recall is very impressive. <laughs> incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well, I can't remember what I did last week and you're sort of just no, like no, naming. Neither, no, neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, Hester's rail. Remembering what, you know, Elizabeth Fry was doing. But... <laughs> okay, Secret Voices 2, stay tuned. Well, yeah. thank you so much for your time, Sarah. Is there any other last thoughts or place someone can find you on the internet or anything you'd like to share no oh well yes of course i do have a x facebook (laughs) all the rest of it and indeed a website and i will try to go on putting up material about (laughs) these women on there Mm -hmm. that's perfect that's such a good instagram i like instagram that's my favorite one so you could pictures of these ladies and their thoughts Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. their books or no Mm -hmm. no pressure (laughs) i can already see your brain like oh no (laughs) i've got enough to do i've got a whole other book to write that's right that's just like daily pictures up of people (laughs) yeah (laughs) thank you so much this has been amazing i thank you i can't believe us brought to tears yet again um i need to stop having guests on that make me cry i think i think crying is wonderful I'm yeah, here yeah, exactly. as, a, as a proponent of crying. And everybody go and buy Sarah's book. We've already established it's an excellent gift. If You yes. will be getting pictures of it in my toilet now, in my bathroom. <laughs> so, <laughs> And what's the name of the book one more time? Secret Voices, A Year of Women's Diaries. What more can you okay. want? Thank you. Thank you, Thank you okay. so much. This is wonderful. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you.